That was great. Thank you uh, for that. Uh, what a, a, a great little uh, play um, happening as well with those, those little people. Um, so today we're starting a new series uh, called God at Work. And we're going to walk through um, some of 1 and 2 Samuel as examples over the next five weeks of, of how we see God at work, of examples of that. And today's uh, title, if you will, for this message is God Responds. Okay, but before I unpack the, the words that we heard read today uh, and, and the part of 1 Samuel 8, we need to do a little bit of a, a, a time warp back, um, going back to the beginning of Samuel. So um, Samuel was born to a woman named Hannah who had struggled to give birth, struggled to get pregnant uh, with, with her husband. And she was teased by her husband's other wife uh, because of this. Um, and so she poured out her heart to God and she really cried out to him and said, give me a son and I will dedicate him to you. She said, I will make him a Nazarite. And you probably, many of you have heard that word before, but simply put, it means he ain't going to drink any wine and he's not going to shave his head. Unlike some of us did this week. <laughs> Made my wife happy that, that it's not there anymore. Um, and so she promised him. And then God didn't forget her. God allowed her to have the son, and then after he'd been weaned, she took him to the temple and left him with Eli, who was uh, the, the prophet of the day, um, to serve and minister under Eli for the people. And many of you will remember the call of Samuel as he's asleep in the night, and that story where he runs off to Eli, what do you want, master? And he's like, I didn't call you. So he goes back to bed. He's like, well, what did you want, master? I didn't call you. Oh, okay. And then the third time, Eli's like, oh, got it, yes. All right, no, God's calling you. This is what you need to do. And so Eli has given Samuel the instruction, and Samuel has received from God that prophetic gifting, that I can hear God, I can now relay what God has said. And the next day, Eli is like, Come on, Samuel, spill the beans. What did God say? And Samuel's like, uh, I don't really want to tell you. <laughs> it's, not, it's not great news. Um, and, and, um, and, and Eli's like, no, you've got to tell me. Good news, bad news. When God says, you've got to speak it. And so he tells him, well, it's not good for you and your family. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's, your sons haven't really been following the rules and uh, unlucky. Um, it, they're not going to take over. They're not going to help lead Israel and you're all going to get punished because you didn't do anything about it either. Um, so Samuel says, speak, Lord, I'm listening. He gets the message. He gives the message. And there's a good thing for us in that, that when we hear from God, we need to... Um, not be afraid to say what we hear, even if we think it's not necessarily positive. 
Um, I got an example of that for me when I was a bit younger. Uh, we were praying before a, a service at the church that I was at, um, and I got a picture of a, a car dashboard. And the dashboard, the, 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 the petrol gauge, the, the gas gauge, was going into the red. And it was just going into the red. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I shared it. And then the worship leader after said to me, thank you. I was like, for what? He's like, for sharing the picture because I thought I was running on empty, but I'm not. I'm in my reserve. So God's given me something. See, what I saw was a very negative thing because it's kind of, whoa, what? It was, it was something that someone needed to hear. So don't hold back when you hear from God. Make sure you share what you feel is good or is bad. And so back to Samuel. He grows up. He follows Eli's lead. He's kind of like um, the son Eli should have had. And he takes over and he becomes the judge for Israel. And the end of chapter 7 tells us that he put his home in Ramah and that he lived there and he judged Israel and he even had a little circuit that he used to walk. It wasn't the whole of Israel, but it was like the, the main area that he would do around. He had some sons and they would take care of other parts of, of the land. But, but, you know, in the same way that you think of a judge circuit now, he had his little circuit that he would, he would keep hold of. What he did, we don't know. Maybe he settled disputes that people couldn't. Maybe he just reminded people of God's law and what God had said and, and kept speaking in that truth as a prophet would, calling people always to return to God. But when he became old and his sons, in the same way that Eli's sons did, didn't really follow in the ways, uh, they weren't kind of gifted at that young age to be prophets, um, and they were given different giftings and different leadership styles. And, and they were maybe uh, a little more susceptible, shall we say, to, uh, to a bribe. Um, the elders gathered around and they said to Samuel, we want a king. Appoint a king to govern over us. And Samuel's not very pleased by this. Samuel, like, no. And they're like, please give us a king. And so he takes it to God. And he takes it to God and he has a discussion with God about it. Let's just pause there for a moment because can you imagine being in Samuel's shoes? Okay? You are prophet of the day. And you're the judge over Israel. Everything rests on you. You are in between God and the people. So you mediate all the time. Um, you represent the people to God and you represent God to the people. That's got to be a very difficult place to be. But it's also a place that we are put slightly in a much smaller degree than Samuel had. Um, 
Because Samuel's constantly telling the people, like I said, of our prophet, calling people back to God. Samuel is constantly saying, God is the God who brought you out of Egypt. He's the one who saved you from slavery. He is your king. And now people are saying, give me a king. I want a king. And Samuel's maybe thinking, that's a bit of a slight on me. But also, what are you talking about? You want a king? You've got a king. What do you mean you want a king? It must have been very exhausting for him. Very exhausting. I can think, you know, I get exhausted doing my job. All right? You ask my wife uh, what degree of help I am on a Sunday afternoon, and she'll tell you very little. Um, but that's, you know, Samuel's like even more so, right? How exhausting that would be. Do people want a king? But in all of that, God is gracious. Because God says, okay, do people want a king? We'll give them a king, but you've got to tell them what a king is going to be like. Okay, now we have, a, we have a picture of God that says he doesn't change. He's always the same. And that's scriptural and that's true. But let's not have that picture that God never changes to say that God doesn't change his mind. That God doesn't um, kind of go in a different direction sometimes. Yes, God is the king of the people. And he always wants to be the king of the people. But the people have constantly strayed from him. They have constantly turned their back on him, gone a different way, been called back. And if you read through Judges and you read through Samuel, you will see this. And this king went this way. And then they came back. And then this king took the people that way. And then they came back. Yeah, constantly the prophets calling people back to God, calling people back to God but yet the people constantly going a different way, worshipping different gods, going after Baal, Asherah, and saying, you know, and God's like, you've constantly gone back on the covenant that we put in place, always. So why is now any different asking for a king? It's kind of like almost, you feel God saying, I've had enough. I've had enough of you doing what you want to do and not actually sticking to the covenant. So I give you a king because that actually might help you if you follow a man following me, then you've got an example. Maybe that's going to help. Maybe. So don't mishear me. God is always the same. Hebrews 11 tells us that. He never changes. But sometimes... Sometimes he is so gracious to us that he responds to us as his people and gives us, out of that grace, a new path to walk because we couldn't walk the one that he wanted us to first. So like I said here, right? Samuel takes what the people have said. He takes it to God. He takes it to them in prayer and he hears God's response. And I just want to read for you the response God says, listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. They have rejected me from being king 
over them. Just as they have done for me from the day that I brought them out of Egypt, forsaking me and serving other gods, so also they are doing it to you. Now then, listen to their voice. Only warn them and show them the ways of a king. Like I said, this request from the people, it's not a bad request. Okay, they're not... um, It's not an ungodly request. They're asking for a centralized government, if you will. Um, Looking at what they see around them as the other nations have. And I had to laugh a little bit at the video from Family Faith because you saw the two police officers standing there. And I was like, that's centralized government right there. (laughs) Backing up, backing up the prophet before he's even said his word. There's the king. Oh, look, there's the policeman. Um, See, Samuel's sons... They've gone wayward. They've swayed. Uh, They can't be trusted to make a sound judgment because the word that comes to mind is they've taken a bung. Right? uh, I don't know if that word translates to America very well. I think I've got one nod. They've taken a bung. They've taken a bribe from someone in in the uh, in the in the system or. Or, 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 you know, make a judgment that's beneficial to me. Here you go. Um, sorry, knocking my microphone off. Um, so, Samuel is really, as the people come, they're like, give us the king, give us the king. And he is taking that as a bit personal. And you can see that maybe from God's response to him, God's trying to ease that. It's not a slight on you. It's a slight on me. God's words to Samuel kind of help us to see that a little bit. Um, Because Samuel is distressed at this request. He's like, you know, I'm I'm meant to be mediating between you and the people. I'm meant to be showing you to the people. And if the people aren't getting it, that's my fault. You know, I remember a teacher of mine who once said to me, if you don't understand anything that I tell you, that's not your fault, that's my fault. I've got to find a new way to explain it. It took me till I was 18 to get a teacher that said that. (laughs) All all the teachers before that were like, you stupid boy, don't you get it? Um, But once I got to 18, I was like, all right. You know, all those those teachers thinking it was my fault. Can you tell my parents that? (laughs) Um, But um, he couldn't trust his sons to make a sound judgment. So the people were like, well, what's going to come next? They didn't trust God enough to give them the new judge, a new prophet, as they did Samuel after Eli. They were like looking around. Oh, it, it passes on to the son. Oh, can we trust them? No. All right. We, well, give us a king. And they went to Samuel to appoint that king. So they still trusted Samuel enough as the prophet, as the judge, to give them the king that God would maybe want them to have. Um, But Samuel still said, no, because God is the king. God is the king. And I'm reminded of Gideon, where Gideon said, when people said to him, oh, rule over us. They didn't use the word king. They said, oh, you can rule over us and your son's after you. And, And he said, I'm not going to rule over you. God is the only ruler. 
And so Samuel, I think, is feeling a little bit of that in the same way that Gideon did. God will rule over you. What are you doing asking for a king? We know the people have always, always since year dot walked away from God and then been called back to God. And this group of people, the Israelites, have been saved from Israel. Saved as Israel from Egypt, brought out of slavery, traveled to the promised land. And ever since they got there, forgotten what God has done for them. And then been reminded, like I said, and then forgotten again. And they're not stuck in line with that covenantal agreement. That's all I can hear, God. I think I've said this once already. Fine. If you're not going to do it, you're not going to stick to it. We've tried it one way. Let's try it a new way. Because God cares for his people. God loves his people. That part of him never changes. That part of him always stays the same. And so let's try this new way. So the people still want that king, and Samuel goes to them, and he says, okay, if you want a king. God said you can have a king, but I've got to tell you what a king is going to do. Because it's a bit of a mixed bag, really. Yeah, you're going to get a king, but hey, you're going um, gonna to have your sons taken off you to create this centralized government that you get with a king. You're going to have an army. Okay, you're going to have to pay taxes. But the people also see God as their king that has failed them a little bit. Because sometimes they've won a battle and then sometimes they haven't. The Ark of the Covenant's been taken away from them and then it settles and they don't get to see it like they used to. And so they don't have that communication with God except through Samuel and so they're like well how do we know which way God's going to go but if we have a person we have a king we have a man he's going to talk to us and we can follow him we can do the things he wants and he's going to lead us we're going to physically see him with our eyes lead us into battle But they want that human king because the nations around them have a human king. They want that king because they see the way of the world, not the way of God. And how does that resonate with you in your life and in your walk a little bit today? When we come to God with a request, he is gracious to hear that request. And he will always Always respond to that request. But that response might not be what you want to hear. That response might be a no. That response might be a yes, but. It might be a, if you really want to, but let me clarify that you want it, <laughs> like he did here with the kings, okay? Um, I think again, as I was entering into my um, finally accepting God calling me into ministry, I went for a walk and the clouds started getting very, very black. And I was like, 
yep, yep, that, that kind of is what life's looking like right now. Um, tell you what, God, if the sun comes through, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's the sun. Guess I'm going. Um, see, God rules. Sometimes we see God ruling through others, but we have to in our heart always hold that God rules, that he is king. That's the covenant that we have with him. But occasionally he allows us, as Romans 1 tells us, characterizes it, that he allows us to have the desires of our heart sometimes. Okay? We're supposed to seek the desires of his heart and align our heart with them. But sometimes, sometimes, he gives us the test. Sometimes he allows us to have that thing that we really want, even though it's not good for us, because it helps us to learn from that. That's like kind of what Paul writes about in Romans. So in closing, I want you to think about God calling you calling you into relationship with him. In the same way that he called Samuel as a small child. You might hear it in your sleep. You might hear it driving your car. But God's going to respond to you. And I, I, I'm even going to go out on a limb here and say, God will respond to you today if you call on him. And I, I actually say that with assurance. God will respond to you today if you call on him. But the answer that he gives you, you've got to be ready for. You've got to be ready for it. Because it sometimes might not be the thing that you want to hear. You've got to be ready for the consequence of calling on him. You've all heard that, I'm sure. Um, ask God for patience. You're going to get the opportunity to be patient. Are you ready to be tested on your patience? Because out of his goodness, out of his graciousness, he loves you and he wants what's good for you. And he wants you to walk that journey of a covenantal relationship and to be with him so that he can respond to you. Because that's what relationship is about. But as his children, and that abundance of grace he has for us, when we mess up, he still wants to give us good things. Okay. I saw a meme a bit earlier that said, anything that happens in a pastor's house, be prepared. It might be used in a uh, message. <laughs> Sorry, Eli and Naomi. <laughs> Get that out there. As a parent... I love my kids, but they drive me crazy sometimes, right? If you ever had kids and they've driven you crazy, just put your hand up, right? Drive you crazy. And it's like, I'm like, can you just do that one thing I asked you to do? And when they don't do it, and they still want to do the nice thing, you're like, no, because you didn't do this, you can't do that. And like, sometimes you're like, Oh, fine, just, just, just half do it and then, <laughs> right? And then we'll do the good thing. 
And occasionally you might say, oh, if you promise to do it tomorrow. <laughs> and then you, because you don't want to not allow the kids to have fun. And, 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 be, and that's what God does, right? In his graciousness. But he always does it. He always wants us to have the goodness of life, right? If we don't do the thing that we said we would do, we don't do the thing that he's asking us to do. He doesn't shut the door, put us in the corner and wait for us to say sorry before he gives us the next thing, right? He says, show me a repentant heart. Believe in me and I will give you eternal life. Believe in me and I will walk with you down whichever road we need to go down to because when you're walking with God, all roads lead to the same place. All roads lead to the same place. It doesn't matter whether he has to take you on a detour that takes five years or if you get there in a year. You're all on a journey with God. Wherever you are on that journey, you can't work out who's closer and who isn't because you're all going on the path that God has given you. And let's be honest, Sometimes you need a detour. But like I said, call out today and he will respond to you. He will respond to you. As long as we stay with our heart in the right place, following him and saying, we offer you our praise. We offer you our love. And we know that you put your love for us right there in front of us as we go. So in response, as we prepare for communion today, we're going to have uh, the song come through. Uh, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Uh, if you want to sing along, sing along. If you want to be just responding to God, knowing that he will respond to you. He'll respond to you in the word. He'll respond to you as, you as you come and just pray with him now and he'll respond to you in the sacrament as we take it in a few moments. Don't feel the pressure to do what everyone around you is doing. Okay? You don't need to seek the king like Israel. Be with the king as this music's played. <laughs>